Hello and welcome to The Hearts Review with me Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is Calvin to review the draw against Queen of the South, preview Morton at Tincastle and we talk retrospective bands, VAR and goal line technology. That was a that was a a great game of football we we witnessed last night, wasn't it, boys? Nope, no, it wasn't. Um, it was eye bleeding, to quote Tam McManus, the resident Hearts expert. Um, of course, you you check his Twitter and it's just Hearts, Hearts, glorious Hearts all over it. So special mention to him. Um, no, listen, it was a it was a very poor performance. I have to say, a disappointing result. Against um, and I mean this in the greatest respect, the Queen of the South, a pretty poor side. Um, you know we we went into the game full of confidence after the result last week, um, and you thought you know more of the same tonight. Although I I, I was expecting it to be, you know, a, a lot more emphatic. I thought Hearts can come here and express themselves and maybe come away with a three four goal victory. Um, I know football doesn't work that way, but you, you would look at it before the game and think, you know, if we turn up here, we should blow these away. Um, and we didn't. Um, you know, we huffed and puffed the first half. They sat in, as you would expect. We had lots of the ball. Um, but we didn't really create too many chances, which was disappointing. It was like we were trying to walk the ball into the net at times. And, um, you know, and you could almost see what was coming. Queen of the South, literally the first time they managed to get in between uh, in behind the Hearts defence, got themselves a penalty and um, and the boy sticks it away and then you know right away it's it's going to become a very um, a very predictable and tough second half now. And uh, instead of changing at half time, we seem to continue with it for about 15, 20 minutes into the second half. And I think that was the most annoying thing for me, um, most frustrating thing anyway, was was sitting watching Andy Irvin and, and Halliday just pass the ball back to each other in the, in the centre circle rather than getting the ball forward. And it was it was just really, really... Uh, it just made me really, really angry watching it, to be honest with you. Um, you're, you know, you're screaming, get the ball forward. You, they're just sitting literally two banks of four. And I don't even remember their goalkeeper having a save to make, really. And, and when you're 1-0 down against a side who's second bottom in the league, that's not acceptable. Um, I know sometimes results can be difficult to, to, to go and win games, particularly against teams that are scrapping, but they didn't have to scrap last night. You know, it was it was quite easy for Queen of the South, and that was the most disappointing thing. Um, and we get out of jail with a penalty at the end, but that wasn't until we actually made positive substitutions. You know, Stephen Naismith should have been in the park a, a long, long time before he was actually introduced. Um, and he was actually, you know, up front, and he was managing to link Boyce into the game and it just things that were for me easy to see took too long to happen and that's why you know we dropped two points Alvin was it a penalty the Queen of the South penalty uh, on first look I thought no I, th- I thought the boy sort of chucked his leg in but see when you watch it back the, the speed they're both going at I'd, I'd be screaming for it the other way about and it's I think the Queen of the South player is clever he knows what he's doing but the second he gets Goal side of the second he gets goal side of Kingsley. Kingsley just got to leave him, just let him go because he's not at an angle where I'm not. I don't think he's scoring past Gordon at that angle. I think you just let him go. Hope your goalkeeper makes a save, and the keeper we've got probably would make the save. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it, it could have not been given, but nah, if it was our way around, I'd have been absolutely screaming for that. 
at the other end. So yeah, I think the ref did call it right. And there was no complaint. Kingsley wasn't complaining about it. Gordon was only complaining about it being outside the box. That probably tells its own story. Yeah, t- t- totally agree. Uh, it, was a, it was a penalty for me as well. Um, I think if that, that that's the other way about, you're screaming for it. Um, it's a bit, you know, a bit sloppy from Kingsley. Um, it's probably the first real bit of defending he actually had to do in the game, and um, and he just got caught. Um, and it was, you know, it was quite intelligent play from from the striker actually to get in uh, to to leave his leg kind of dangling to say go on, you know, put a bit of contact there, and I'm going down and. And you get a penalty for that uh, every day of the week. So no complaints. I don't know what Robbie Nielsen was talking about. Um, but of course, he's going to come out and, and try and deflect away from, from the poor performance and, and some of his decisions. So, um, But no, I, I agree with Calvin. It was a penalty for me. Obviously, we, we talked about the Queen of the South being quite low down in the league. Obviously, in a wee bit, good, a wee bit of good form over the last few weeks. But... Is it a bit of a worry that they're that Hearts aren't playing two strikers up front? I know we, I know as fans, when we look at things quite simplistically, but this is a team that are in the bottom end of the championship. We we should be at least playing two strikers or having a different system to play against a team of, of that quality. Yeah, I mean, I'm not always, I'm not one of these people that would necessarily scream for two strikers. I think, I think if you're playing against a team that's playing five across the middle and you put four across the middle, you leave yourself regardless of regardless of ability, you leave yourself. Shot side. The one issue we have with that, Ross, is that we didn't have two strikers really to play last night. We sent White out on loan, Nando Lee got injured. You're, you're left with Boyce or you're playing Naismith. You, I mean, I suppose you can play Naismith up front if you need to, but Naismith's not an out and out striker. He's more of a sort of like advanced midfielder. I, I'm, I think you're right. It's not It's not so much the striker, it's not, it's not being too up front that's the issue. It's taking the game to a team like that. It's actually. I thought the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, we're actually piling on the pressure. It's only a matter of time. And then when we didn't score in the first 10 minutes, we just went, I think, let's pass it side to side. I mean, I think the possession stats in that first half must have been 60, 70% to hearts, but we were 1-0 down because while we had a lot of the ball, I, did the keeper make a save in the first half? Like, realistically, we had, we had a few digs from outside the box. You made one save from Jamie Walker, but... It was lucky, to be fair, but yeah, yeah. as you say, there wasn't. We didn't really test them yeah. enough. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily the the formation as such that was the issue. More the personnel, or more that um, maybe you know, personnel. The way we the way we set up, it was like Queens were organised, right? They they done what you'd expect a bottom three side to do against one of the bigger sides when they're playing at home. Is they've got two very very pacey guys I and mean, the amount of bookings we got taking players down and we finally cottoned on to the fact that we should know that these guys got a 40 yard run at goal because right before their goal if you remember the, the boy that went off injured he absolutely does Popescu there and he's in they're in three on three at that point and that should have been the first one we got away with that one because the boy pulled up um, that should have been the first one inside but no it was it was pedestrian perhaps all night there was no there was no cutting edge I don't necessarily think two strikers would have made a difference if anything it would have just made the strikers more isolated than they were I mean I think Boyce while not being particularly great he had absolutely nothing to work with like, it was until Naismith came on with 10 minutes to go Boyce was just a lone figure I'm not I'm not even convinced Nandalee and I think actually putting Nandalee up front would have made it even worse because I think instead of even trying to pass it through to Boyce he would have just hoofed it straight for the back so, um, yeah, I don't think four four two is necessarily the issue. I think it's the, the overall attitude and just the game plan. I think I think as soon as we didn't score early on, we, we just... I, I don't even know how to describe it. Pedestrian is the only word I can use to describe it. But it was just so poor. 
Like there was no, there was no drive. There's nobody. They didn't even bother fight that they were playing a bottom three side or a bottom two side. Like, there was no, no emphasis. There was no attempt. The amount of times we got into decent areas and we just picked a pass around, just having a dig. Like it wasn't until McInef came on that we actually started having, or he sorry started having digs at goal. And I, oh, and it was poor. I don't, I don't think four four two would have made much of a difference to that. I, I think, I think you make a, an overall point about when we go away to teams like this, regardless, you need to be taking the game to them. But yeah, I don't, I'm not. I think two strikers actually would have made it possibly worse than than what we ended up with. It is all about service, though, Gordon, isn't it? Service to Boyce. Boyce is a good striker. We need to get the ball to him, and that's been the issue, isn't it? Yeah, of course it has. But I mean, it's uh, I take on what uh, Calvin was saying there. I, I I agree. I don't necessarily think it was anything to do with, with formations. You know, I think when you're lining up with two holding midfielders, but you know you're clearly starting with the number ten. Your number ten's the the kind of the the, the clog in the chain that links the whole thing together. And you know when you've got your number ten dropping so deep to get the ball because it's not coming through him quick enough that's when you've got your problem. You know, Walker in the second half, for example, is having to come so deep onto the halfway line. He's then got the ball and, you know, there's nobody making any space for him to, you know, play off of a wee one-two that can get Hearts further up the park. He's then just hitting a long ball towards Boyce and Boyce isn't a target man. He never has been and he never will be. He's just not He's just not that type of striker. Um, so, you know, if you want to play with a certain formation, you've got to have the, the, the personnel to do it. And I just think, you know, we were too slow in the middle of the park we had two kind of, and I mean, listen, I, I'm a big fan of Irvin, but I think, you know, when he gets the ball, he's got to be the man that drives forward because it's not, you're not going to necessarily get that, I think, from Halliday. Um, or even if you do, you know, you, you've got to encourage either one of them to, to kind of take the ball by the, the scruff of the neck almost and just start, you know, bombing forward and leave somebody like Walker in a more advanced position. And um, and that, that, was, that was the biggest issue for me. You know, they just, they just weren't doing enough in the middle of the park to take control of the game and get boys into it. Um, but you're right, you know, he, he needs service to score goals. Um, you know, he didn't kind of, you know, you've seen him sort of um, get more into the game in that last 10 minutes when Naismith came on. Because Naismith's that type of player, he will get the ball and he will drive forward. And that's what he done. Um, you know, you feel like if maybe Naismith had been brought on 10 minutes prior to, to when he actually did come into the park, we might have ended up going and winning the game, or at least would have created an hour maybe two chances to try and get a goal. Um, so it's just it's just frustrating because I think the the game was clearly there for Hearts, you know, to, to go and take something from it. Uh, you know, we get the penalty, we get the goal. They, they, would, they would naturally drop deeper anyway to try and protect what they had. So you were always going to have more space um, to dictate the game um, but by doing that. So it's just, I think it's just decision-making, you know. Um, I still don't see what Henderson brings to the Hearts side. So I don't know why he was on the park before Naismith was. Um, baffling change that one um, and like Calvin says you know it's all about personnel you know why why do we only have um, well realistically we only had probably one fit striker last night um, you know we, we let White and go out and loan which have no issue in in, in terms of um, you know letting him go because he's, he's not got a future at Hearts but when you've still got a, a division to win and when you know that one of your strikers is injured surely you say, well, actually, we're just going to hold off on that deal. Because if it's a loan deal between championship clubs, I don't know when um, the extension ends for that um, or what or how that actually managed to happen. I don't know the rules necessarily. Um, if they've got, got some sort of... I think you've got till March 
to me. Right. Well, exactly. Well, well, there you go. There you go. You've got until March then to, to make that decision. Why not just say, oh, Nandalee's pulled up with an injury here. We're just going to hold on to him for another week. You know, you you know, they haven't even got a game this weekend anyway. So what's what what what's the issue? Um, so that 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 just frustrated me. I have to say, um, it really did, and um, it, it just comes down to decision making again. You know, clearly it wasn't working, and I think the lack of plan B, C, and D is I think our biggest problem at the moment. You know, we just don't see. I, I just don't see enough to suggest that we can change a game when it's not working for us. Or when we do, it just feels like it's too late. So last night, um, I think, you know, if we'd lost the game, I think it would probably have to go down as our worst result of the season. Um, we managed to get a draw, but I still think it's got to be considered one of our worst performances of the season, which uh, takes some doing because we've had a few uh, clangers. I mean, Aloha was, was bad. Are you saying it's worse than Aloha? No, no, I'm, I'm saying it's up there. That's up there. I'm saying oh. It's up there. But, I mean, you could put it in the same category as Aloha because, you know, they are similar sides. I mean, Aloha beat them last week. Um, beat them 2-1 so um, I, I just think you know the fact that you've got 15 points uh, you can go 15 points clear you know for a fact none of your rivals are playing the next game day go there put a real uh, stamp on this game and you've got to remember their their best player wasn't even playing you know and Stephen Dobby you know the guy that you would have to worry about at the other end if he was going to going to cause you some issues and um, yeah it's just a, it just really is a, a very frustrating um, night again what do we make of um, Castaneda and uh, GMS? How both, have they done? Both are opinions? both are poor. Like it's one of I mean, one of the, the big issues last night. Like the point Gordon made about number ten having to drop deep. That's been a that's been a recurring theme, not just this season. That's been a recurring theme for for a, a number of years now. Where I mean, Naismith is it's not his fault, but it's frustrated me for years that how deep he has to drop to pick up the ball. So last night when obviously Walker's dropping deep, we're passing the ball out wide, and the crossing was abysmal. Like from both of them, it's not. It's. It's. I'm not going to pick on either of them. I'll give both of them their due. They're not obviously not played a lot of games recently. GMS, I still think it'll be a quality signing for us. But I, those five corners at the end of the, the end of the first half, we're putting five corners in a row and hit the first man every single time. It's like try something different or take somebody else to take it. Like it's just infuriating. The, the, like it wasn't working through the middle, so we played it out wide. The only time we ever looked decent out wide was when Kingsley or Smith were coming in to pick the ball up and try to beat a man. That was it. I mean, the two wingers were not, it wasn't even non effective. Mackay Stephen lost the ball a lot of times in very important areas that almost cost us a few times as well. Like, I said, I'm going to cut the boy a lot of slack. He's not played in a while. He's playing a foreign country at a different pace. It's going to take him a while to get back to, st- to speed, but. He should not have been back on at the start of the second half. Like there's a lot. Of, I think that's one of the biggest, biggest strikes for me last night. Is what happened in that first half clearly wasn't working. So why we left it so late to change? I mean, it was crying out for somebody in the middle of the park to come on and drive at the point. Like I think McInerney looked really quite handy when he came on last night, and the sort of tempo of the game changed because he looked like he he actually looked determined to move move us forward rather than just playing two yard sideways passes all night. But nah, the, the two wingers, not, it's not. I'm not going to say anybody played well last night, but I think they particularly stood out as poor. Yeah, both both were frustrating. You know, I think biggest issue I think we've probably had this season is we've signed five wingers and none of them have really been up to scratch. I mean, Ginelli has probably been the best one, and he's played the least amount of games. And um, yeah, 
really, really disappointed uh, in both of them. Totally, Mackay, Stephen, you know, I, I, I get what Calvin's saying there. Um, you know, it takes a while to, I think, adapt and get up to speed. But I, I generally thought that last night was the game for him. You know, I looked at, despite what Robbie's saying, I think the surface looked all right. Um, I know it bounced a little bit, but you would think it would be, it would work, it would suit a winger um, who likes to get the ball on, on the deck and actually use it, um, you know, compared to air the previous week. So I thought that, I thought last night was the game for him and, you know, he struggled manfully, unfortunately, and I actually forgot he was on the park. So, you know, it just, it was just annoying. It really was. And Castaner as well, hasn't played a lot of football. Uh, you hope it's just, he's a bit rusty. Good thing is, I suppose, in a way, he's, you know, he's, it's only a short-term loan. So if he doesn't quite work out, he can can head back down the road. But, you know, I, I thought he huffed and puffed in the first half and how he them made it out of the, um, the dressing room at halftime, I'm not sure because you would expect a reaction and we just didn't get it, unfortunately. So, yeah, frustrating. You know, you would hope that maybe when they, they, they play at home a little bit more, you might see them see them maybe hit a run of form. But I think at the moment it's... Uh, it's been tough for both of them. What do you make of Robbie Nielsen as well at the end of the game, sort of blaming the pitch and, and talking to maybe about the penalty and stuff? Is he just defending the players or is he defending his tactics here? He's just deflecting. That's all he's doing. Um, you know, it's it's frustrating as a fan to hear that. Um, you know, you expect your manager to come out and maybe take a wee bit of responsibility. Um, but I think it's just a deflecting tactic. You know, I, I don't know what he's talking about with the pitch. I mean, like Ryan Stevenson said, and he was absolutely spot on with everything he said um, last night. You know, I my mean, heart's train on that type of pitch, you know, five times, you know, five days a week. So what's what's the issue? Um, baffling, baffling comments. And obviously he was more about the penalty uh, again. I don't know. I just think, you know, you should maybe just tell fans how it is. Um, and say, listen, my team didn't play very well tonight and we'll be better next week. But I think constantly making excuses just winds people up. It kind of worries me. I, I know I, I know, Gordon, Gordon's pretty much right, as Nielsen is just deflecting. But part of me is concerned that he's, what if he's not deflecting? What if he genuinely believes this and he starts to believe it himself? Because we can all see that that was not good enough last night. The pitch wasn't the reason we were crap. The referee wasn't the reason we were crap. I mean, I don't... I don't even think the ref got much wrong. <laughs> like the big, the big decisions anyway didn't get wrong. Um, as Gordon says, we trained on our pitch like that. It's, it wasn't Livy's pitch. It wasn't like it wasn't a terrible. It, I'm not a fan of uh, plastic pitches. I don't think they should be allowed in professional sport. I think it's pointless. But that wasn't the reason we we lost last night. We lost because oh, sorry, we didn't lose. It feels like we lost. But the reason we didn't win last night is because we didn't have shots on goal. Can he win a game if you don't if you don't shoot the goal? You're not going to win a game, like, and that that was down to personnel. It was down to tactics. It was down to refusal to change the personnel and the tactics, despite the, the it being obvious to everyone it wasn't working. There's not a single Hearts fan sitting here last night going sitting there actually believing what Nielsen's saying. So I don't know who it's for. I don't know if it's trying to if it's trying to convince himself, and if it is trying to convince himself, that is really concerning because if we carry on like this, we will more than likely still win this league just on the basis of. Like we've got better players and it's it's a there's not actually much time left and the teams below us aren't consistent enough. But this team and the way they're playing, especially in games like that last night, we go up with this team and don't make major wholesale changes. We'll be straight back down again. Because that sort of performance in the Premier League, you'd get absolutely gupped of any side. Hamilton, they would take three or four of you played that last night. Right. So there's no 
if he's trying to convince himself that his tactics are fine and it's everything else is out to get him, then I'm concerned. If he's just trying to shield these players from criticism, then that's fine for a week or two. But sometimes the players maybe need to hear it. Like, I think the players maybe need to be called out of it because that wasn't good enough. And those players that were on that pitch last night should be beating Queen of the Six. You can have one game and maybe we have one off game in a season like this, but that's Queen of the South, Dundee, Dunfermline, Alloa, where we've just not turned up. We've just not played. And we got away with one last night. We massively got away with one last night because fortunately Stephen Naismith came on and actually, like, fortunately we've got a player like Stephen Naismith who can do that. But why he wasn't on from the 60th minute or even half time, I'll, know, I'll never understand. But yeah, it concerns me a lot. I hope, I hope it is just him trying to shield them from the press and not not actually try to shoot, like convince himself. Because if it is, we're in serious trouble. You, you do make a good point, Calvin. And you need they need to hear the criticism, and because if if they don't hear criticism, they're not getting better. Some of these players think they're they're brilliant still. I mean, this some of this team got yeah. relegated last season. Yeah, I mean that, that's something we've had this whole season is that oh, we shouldn't actually be in this league. And there's an argument that yes, uh, we got relegated in extreme and really weird circumstances. But a lot of these players were involved in a team that was bottom of the league for the majority of the season last year, right? We, we didn't. It wasn't like the, the league was called and we were third and they just decided to chuck us down. We we're still bottom of the league, right? The and I almost feel like this entire season all we've had since day one is Hearts will absolutely stroke will come back up. And there have been times we've looked like that. We, ha- we hammered Queens at home, and you know we've never we've never really looked like giving up top spot. But I think they, they, I don't know if they believe in their own hype of it. Like this is still the championship. Like it's not a league that we should be in, and it, it's a league we should be absolutely strolling with the players we've supposedly got. And they need. I, I've no doubt that Nielsen went in that dressing room last night and tore through them. I don't. I don't think he's the sort of manager that would sit there and go. I don't think he's. I hope, and I don't think he would be telling the players that. Oh, I don't worry about lads. It was the pitch that, that screwed us over. Because if he is, then get rid of him now. Because they, they, we're not we're not going to improve. But I think the players need told. They need called out because they're they're not performing to the level they should be in. I mean, bear in mind the money that they're on for the level of football they're playing at is scandalous, right? You're not most football players are not going to get an easier gig than that. Like you go to Hearts on Premier League wages and strut about the Championship. The, the very least it's expected of you is you actually, you know, beat the team that's second bottom of the league, not huff and puff to a very, very, very fortunate point. Because we didn't deserve a point last night. We really didn't. Like there was no, there's no point where you're sitting there. And if we somehow snatched it, you just be going, you just have to feel sorry for Queens. Nielsen did also say, Gordon, you know, it was a good point. Is that a worry? I, I think, you know, he's probably into the bigger picture that, you know, his team didn't play well and, you know, away from home when you're getting beat 1-0 going into the 90th minute, if you come away with a point, I guess, you know, you can maybe look at it like it's a good point. But um, before the game, if you said, you know, you'll, would you take a draw? You would say, no, certainly not. Um, I think the, the problem that I think we have is, like Calvin says, you know, I, I think he probably did criticise his team but it's just the fact that you know he stood there on the touchline and watched them kind of struggle along for so long before actually changing it I think that's the biggest thing that worries me more than anything not necessarily his comments you know because I don't think you know managers believe half of what they say to the media um, 
you know, and and what they, it's more just for appearances, and uh, he's obviously just wanted the flag there. So I, I don't think he necessarily does believe in what he's saying. At least I hope not. Um, yeah, yeah, I just think that the, the problem that he's got or we've got even is the fact that you know he stood there for so long and didn't change it. And I just think, you know, it needed something different at half time. I expected a change to happen at half time to get a reaction, and you know we just stuck with it you know it's when, when that happens it's almost like well I've been pleased with parts of the first half you know it's just we're one nil down if we continue along this way uh, we'll get back into the game but you know you, you didn't see that in the first half there was no point where I thought yeah we're, we're looking all right here it's, it's going to change if we keep playing this way it was never going to change you know because it was easy for Queen and South they just had to sit there like I say two banks of four and, ju- and just watch Hearts but you know practice their passing right in front of them because that's all they were doing. You know, they, they weren't ever actually attempting to get in behind Queen of the South. And it almost brought me back to the Arbroath game at the second day of the season. Uh, we played, I thought we played quite similar that night. And um, we got out of jail um, with a really good goal. But, you know, that, that that was a similar kind of performance. We just huffed and puffed. And it's like he's just standing there going, uh, right, it will change. It definitely will change. You know, these players will do it rather than actually going and influencing and changing it himself, because ultimately that's his job. He's the manager. He picks the teams, he picks the tactics. Yeah, you know, players have got to take some responsibility. I get that. But at the same time, you know, he's got the ability to change it. And um, and for me, he waited too long to to do that. And um, so some of his subs were baffling. I know he's spoken before about how he likes kind of us to focus on how we are going to play and not necessarily too much about, you know, how the opponents should play, but maybe maybe you should focus on what the opponents are going to do and, and how we can um, influence that game and win it. You know, I feel like that's what Stendhal would, would do. You know, he, he would kind of look at the opposition and think, right, how can we exploit them? Where I just feel like Nielsen is kind of, there's a bit of a, an arrogance about him, you know, where he just thinks, well, you know, we're, which is fine, you know, because it, that comes from us as well. You know, we shouldn't be in the league and all this sort of thing, but... Sometimes you've got to put your eye against the one side and, and look at the reality you're in. Look at the players we've got and think, well, you know, it clearly isn't working. How can I make this work? And I just feel uh, we didn't do that last night. The thing is, any coach could coach Hearts this season and probably win this league with the quality players we have. Yeah, of course it could. Of course it could. You know, I mean, look at the players we've got. You know, look at the wages we've got, as, as Calvin said. And... Um, they should be far and away. Uh, they shouldn't even be getting beaten this league. It's ridiculous that we've now lost four games. Well, it wouldn't have been four games, three games. Uh, as I say, it still feels like a defeat from last night. But, um, you know, it's just it's just frustrating, you know. We've supported Hearts long enough to know that you're not going to win every game. That's just a fact. Um, but, you know, you expect a level of performance. And I think the fact that we've went in a condensed championship season with the players and the budget that we have, and I know it's tough because, you know, you look how long Hibs struggled in it. Dundee United as well. Even Rangers, it took them two years to get out of it. Yes, it is a tough division, but given the resources that we have, given the players that we have, um, I'm sorry, it's, you know, the, the level of the performance is not acceptable. You know, you can you can take losing a couple of games because, you know, it's football, it happens. But, you know, you expect a team to work hard to beat you. Um and I just feel like, you know, Queen of the South were a couple of minutes away from getting a result that they didn't actually have to work that hard in, in achieving. 
and that's the I think that's the biggest disappointment. Obviously, we'll we'll chat a wee bit about Morton coming up as well. But one last point on on the game yesterday. You know, we're very lucky to have a guy like Liam Boyce. He stepped up, took the penalty again, great penalty. We've we've alluded to this before. He, he needs to get that service though next season, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's one of probably the best strikers we've had in a long time in terms of just overall ability. Like last again with penalties. Yeah, I actually feel confident for the first time in a long time that we're going to score a penalty when it comes along. And 90th minute pressure penalty, does it? there's no mistake at all. Absolutely blast it down the middle. Keeper's got no chance. But I felt for him last night again. He's, I don't think at any point he was given a chance. Like There was a few times he was given the ball was back to go. And he had a, there was a couple of, I mean, to be fair, he done... He'd done well for the penalty as well. He was playing like that was it. Finally, somebody came on to play a ball in front of him and Naismith. Whereas most of the night, he was very much playing with his back to goal, dropping deep for the ball and having to beat. But that's not Boyce's game. Boyce is a finisher, he's an out and out finisher. And he, he's a very, very good finisher at that. We've seen it times this season. Queen, the, the last game against Queen of the South of Pencastle, when we actually gave him service and every chance he had, he seemed to put away. It was brilliant that day. But last night, I think I would probably one of the few players I maybe wouldn't give too much criticism for because he wasn't given any there was no hope there was no chances for him like what was there any point when you went oh boy should have done better there there wasn't there was, there was no, none of that last night and it, even the crossing I mean the crossing got no the crossing didn't get near him it, it pretty much either went straight to the goalkeeper or straight to the first man there was no so there wasn't even a point where you went oh maybe position himself better there was not. there was nothing there was nothing for him to work to work with last night, and I think he had one or two bits of good link-up play. But again, it was his back, him was back to goal playing somebody else through. Like I think he played Walker through for that that chance Walker had at the start of the second half. Did not? It was like really nice play from him. But he's he's the guy you want running onto the ball in the box, not not the guy laying somebody off. And yeah, I, I think it's one of the main things. If we if we can get if we can get him two or three chances a game, he'll score every week. Simple as that. I think I think when you've got a player as talented as he is, to not be, especially the level we're playing at, to not be giving him the service that he needs is pretty criminal. I think mean, it's poor. I mean, it's, it's all you need. All you need to do is get the ball in the box from the score. That's that's it. And he's just not even getting that. He's not getting the basics, the fundamentals. And say last night was poor, but that's been a, it's been a theme of games we've not won, where we've. Been uh, fair enough last night. We probably weren't actually that poor defensively. Again, Gordon, aside from the penalty, didn't have anything to deal with really. But we weren't. I just, it just didn't do anything. I mean, that's that's probably what the worst thing like Gordon alluded to there is that if you're going to get beat in this league, I want that team of left Evan on the park. Queen in the South. Well, they defended well. Like, they, they were, you know, they they were dogged and they, they didn't give up much. They weren't burnt out at the end of the game. The players weren't completely drained. You know they were. It was quite easy for them because they we didn't do anything, didn't test them. So yeah, and that's something that needs addressed big time. But it's it's there's a lot that needs addressed there for that to happen. We're not. It's not like we need one player to make it make it suddenly happen. Like there's a there's a bit of an overhaul needed there for next season. I think. Yeah, um, I think I think it will be interesting to see our transfer policy. I mean, I think when McNeff. Um, gets himself up to speed, you know, he could definitely be a really good player who'll who'll hopefully link the uh the defence and the, the attack a little bit more, you know. But 
like we've said before, you know, the, the midfield have just got to, as a whole, have got to be doing more. And, um, you know, maybe he, he should look at maybe freshening it up a little bit, you know, um, giving McNeff a start and then maybe giving, you know, Peter Harran another start, you know. Mm. I think Irvin's, um, you know, he's brought Irvin off twice now in the last two weeks. Um, you know, it's clear that they're having issues with his contract extension. Um his body language didn't look great when he went off. He didn't actually shake Nielsen's hand um, when Nielsen offered him it. So I think, you know, there's something going on there. Um, so that, you know, that, that could be maybe, a, you know, you might see Irvin maybe gradually coming out of the team. Because, I mean, listen, if he's not going to sign a new contract for whatever reason it may be, then get him out of the team. You know, I like him and I hope he does sign a, a long-term deal and I hope he stays for a long time. But if he's uh, if he's not prepared to commit his future at the football club, then sorry, but you drop him and then you get somebody else in there. Um, and uh, like I say, you know, there was an article during the week about Peter Harren and Nielsen saying he's having to remain patient. Well, that's fine. But I mean, if he's sitting on the bench and he's sitting watching that, then why should he remain patient? You know, um, for me, he's got to get an opportunity and, and something's clearly got to change. You know, you've got to take a couple of players out and revert it and, and try something different. And um, and I hope he does that because, you know, that, that was an acceptable performance. And the midfield, for me, has got to take the brunt of that because, you know, they, they are the enforcers in that game. Like Calvin says, you know, Craig Gordon and the defence didn't really have anything to do. So you can't sit and label them for the defeat. Um, you can talk about the penalty, but at the end of the day, I mean, it was the first time that kind of Queen of South got in behind and it was an unfortunate um, coming together. Um, you know, and you've got to remember as well, Kingsley and Smith are, they were more focused on going forward anyway. Um, so, you know, it was inevitable that that, that could happen. The one point is just un unfortunate. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be concerned about what, what the defence were doing last night. I would be concerned about the midfield and um, it's a strong midfield, but, you know, there's still other options there and I think we should look at maybe changing it. Looking ahead to Morton, it is a chance to um, obviously put a performance on at Tancastle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Morton, we beat them away from home, so you'd really think we, we can beat them at home. We definitely need a performance because I know we drew last night. We've taken four points from the last two games, but I've taken what, seven from the last three, but neither of them have been particularly exciting or great performances. It's been two, two, but I would say we're really good results given the teams we're playing, the circumstances the games we've played in, but it wasn't great. This needs to be, we need to get out of this sort of, this sort of slumps me really harsh. Like in this league, I expect us to be winning more games comfortably than grinding out results. Um, I think this is one of these games where to get us back on track. Because Inverness away, I know Inverness aren't doing too great at the moment, but that's still going to be a very, very tough game. So we seem to really struggle on the Friday night games as it is. Inverness are probably one of the better sides in the league, even though their, their current position isn't showing it. So I think the, in the Morton game, if we, if we don't play well in that game, we go to Inverness and and get beat, that might send a bit of a signal to other teams below us that Muharts aren't as consistent as as we believe them to be. So I think, I think it's really important. I think it's I think it's an opportunity to put on a performance. I think, but like because our last two games at Tynecastle, the Wraith Rovers shambles, and I'd say the Dunfermline game was a good result in the end. It wasn't a good performance overall. So I think, yeah, we really need it. We need another Queen of the South at home sort of result and performance. Maybe not six, but three or four to sort of get us proper back on track. I think if we do that, I'll be a bit more confident. I'm just getting a bit wary now that, you know, if Rafe won their two games in hand, that's it down, I think, seven points. And then I know that they seem to be not that consistent, but we're not looking great at the moment. Like we're, we are grinding at results, so that, that's enough. 
that should be enough to see us over the line, but I would really like it to see us just give something an absolute tank and it just calm my jitters a bit. It's not going to go to the final day, though. Surely not. No, no I mean, I, I, I don't think... I, I, even even on current form, we're still top of the form table. We're still the most consistent team in the league. So I, I think it's just... It's just we've all been following hearts long enough to until it's done, it's not done. But I, I just a couple more performances like that starts to send a starts to send a bit of a message to teams below us. I, I think the reason why like teams below us have been looking up at us for quite a while and going, Hearts just seem to be getting results. They're, they're, we're not going to catch them. But if they were to get that down to four points, you think they'd still be sitting there going, oh, there's no chance we can catch them. They wouldn't be. But if we can go out and absolutely gub Morton next week, then that just goes, all right, well they're they're sort of shaky bits over. We're not catching them. I, I just think it's it's quite it's now takes on quite an important. Let's say seven seven points at the last three games. In fact, ten out of the last four isn't it's not a bad run at all. And given given the teams we played, I probably would have taken that going into that that run. It's just unfortunate the drop points that came against the worst team we played in that run of four. So maybe it's maybe just making the whole situation seem worse than it is. I just yeah, I just like us to go and put on a performance and. Not bore me tears for ninety minutes because even when we won the last the last two wins, it's been a few times I've been struggling to keep my eyes open. It's a good point, Gordon. We it, it is often becoming a bit like a chore watching Hearts. Oh, listen, I've I've seen a lot worse than that. I, I think Calvin will agree. Um, over the years, I think the, the biggest probably problem that we have at the moment is we're sober and we're watching on the telly. I think you can you can maybe deal with it a wee bit more when you're half cut at the match. Um, so, listen, you know, I, I, I wouldn't worry about Wraith Rovers or any of the other sides. I still think, you know, we're, we'll, we'll pull away from them and we'll still win the league by 15 to 20 points. Um, you know, I think it's just for, you know, it's just because of we're, you know, we're, we're, we've just came off a pretty poor performance and a result and uh, we're still a bit raw, but I think in the, the grand scheme of things, we'll still comfortably win the league. I don't see, um, I don't even think Wraith Rovers will finish second. I still think Dunfermline will. I think they're a better side than Wraith. Um, I think their problem is, you know, they went to Arbroath in, in pretty poor conditions and ended up with a 2-0 defeat, but they had just smashed Wraith Rovers the, the week before that. But, um, yeah, I get your point. You know, I mean, if it if we were to maybe drop points over the next two games, you know, that's three that that would that potentially be three games that uh, a win, and then teams would maybe get a wee bit of hope out of that. But I still think, you know, going forward, um, listen, I think inevitably we will lose again at some point this season. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Where that comes, who knows? You know, it could be a Dunfermline again. It could be at Inverness in a fortnight's time. Um, but I think the you know, it's all about simply getting out of the division. And I think we'll do that. But um, I don't know, you know, I mean, Hibs, I think, I was reading the stat there, I think we're still on course to, if this is a 36-game season, I think going by points per game, we would still, I think, accumulate more points than what uh, Rangers and, and Hibs did to win the division and Dundee United as well. So um, if we were if we were to do that, then then fine, you know, I mean, and you see the reactions they've had in the Premiership when they went up, it was totally different, you know, Hibs ended up finishing fourth and and even us the last time, you know, we finished third, I think, you know, the the boom that you'll take from getting promoted will, will be totally different in the Premiership and there will be different games as well, you know, I, I get what Calvin said earlier on that, you know, if we were playing Hamilton, we might have ended up getting beat 4-1 or something, but I think, you know, they're different games because there'll be a lot more space. Teams won't just sit back like 
Queen of the South did last night, I think, um, you know, those sort of games might suit us a lot better. You know, you've seen us, how we, we form against Hibs and Celtic this season. I know there were semi-final and finals, but, you know, you've still seen how kind of we set up and, and how that, you know, how we actually kind of more than competed with both of them. So it's difficult. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too down at the moment, um, but it is frustrating uh, sitting watching that. It really was. But I think over the next, you know, I think we'll be Morton. Should be them quite comfortably, hopefully at home. I would like to see a reaction. I would like to see some changes, um, and I'd like to see us go and, and win a few, uh, score a few more goals, and and feel better about us. Um, and then the Inverness game, you know, I would imagine that will be quite similar to air, and possibly maybe even quite similar to last night. But I think you know we've. I'd just like to see us move the ball a little bit quicker, and I think Inverness will come out and have a go. Actually, I don't think they'll necessarily just sit in like Queens did. So. Um, you know, I think we'll have to stand up to that because, I mean, they are, they're a pretty good side who score quite a lot of goals at home and, and they'll fancy themselves. And not to mention our record up there is pretty poor anyway. So, um, but let's get Morton out the road, get a few goals, you know, a 2-3-0 victory and uh, and we'll see what happens after that. But I still think we'll comfortably win the division. Well, that's reassuring, Gordon. I'll, uh, we, can, we can book our place to the Premiership. Um we're going to chat a wee bit about um, retrospective bans. There's been a lot of talk about this um, over the past few weeks. Um, over the past week or so, you know, Rangers manager Stephen Gerrard was was talking about in relation to a few of his players getting bans from um, the SFA. And Neil Lennon came out during the week and said that um, Rangers and Celtic get scrutinised the most. Um, what's your take, um, either of you, on um, all of this? I mean, they're in the press more just because they're they're bigger clubs. But I think in terms of scrutiny, I have got a bit of a, a brass neck there. I mean, Rangers and Celtic for the, the entirety of Scottish football got away with absolute murder. The fact that they're talking about as a retrospective ban and not them just getting sent off in the game when they should kind of tells its own story. Like right? that they've got uh, it, the problem that I've always had with retrospective bans is it doesn't benefit the team that the foul happened against. You know, it's like if anything, it can actually work against you. So, if, like, if Rangers, say, if we're talking about Morelos not getting sent off against Hibs, that could have benefited Hibs in that game. He's then banned, say, they're playing Aberdeen two weeks later. So, then Hibs are almost hit double. Like, Rangers are missing their best player against, instead of missing half a game against Hibs, he's now missing a whole game against one of their closest rivals in the league. And I've, I've never, I get the like, retrospective bans are needed for certain things. And, it's better than the player just getting away with it, but I almost feel it's, it's, it can be almost counterproductive at times. But in terms of the old firm gets overly scrutinised, it's just absolute nonsense. Like they, they, they don't. They get they, they get they get more airtime, more media coverage just because of the size of them. So by by default, the, the decisions in their games are going to get talked about more. But you've got to remember the players get away with absolute murder in most ninety minutes anyway. So. For them to complain about the odd retrospective ban, they just count themselves lucky that they didn't lose players every game. I mean, Scott Brown the other week against Kelly should have been sent off. Like, there's no doubt about him. Scott Brown should have been sent off in the majority of games he's played in his career because he does one of them a game. And it's now finally catching up with him. But there's no doubt that if we had a player like that at Hearts, they'd be off the pitch every week. So it's, for me, it's just absolute nonsense. The usual old firm, they don't, they're, they're understanding of anything outside their own. Their own bitter rivalry is just non-existent. They, they think that 
because they've been punished by a rule that nobody else has ever been punished by it before and they've just hard done it when the opposite in fact is completely true and so yeah nonsense you know it's if Celtic have a decision against them it's you know it's the Rangers supporting referees and SFA um, that they're against them and you know it's if Rangers have a decision against them it's the Celtic supporting referees and the Celtic supporting SFA that's against them so um, yeah, we've had this medical round a hundred times. You know, I don't know what Stephen Gerrard's talking about. You know, uh, what's the point in having referees in the park? Well, they wouldn't get the amount of penalties that they have had this season if there wasn't referees on the park. So I don't know what he's uh, he's moaning at. Um, likewise, as well with, with Celtic, you know, the amount of ridiculous decisions that they've had over the years, particularly against us. If anything, um, you know, they've they've got a brass neck, as as Calvin says. So. Um, yeah, I think I think the whole process though is isn't great. You know, I, I don't. You know, I go back to some of the decisions that that you know Hearts haven't had players um, bans overturned and they've had bans enforced. So I just think it's inconsistent. You know, I think you you know if you've got to um, punish one one team and and one player or even you know two players in the same team, you know for one thing you've got to punish the the rest of them for the exact same thing. And I think throughout you know the years of the respective ban and the compliance officer and the whole process, it's not been consistent for every single team. Um, you know, I mean, I think you you look back to the um, the Celtic game in the Scottish Cup against us when uh, the boy dived against, I suppose his name, uh, the Swedish Swedish player. It's uh, John Gadetti. Gadetti, yeah, when he dived. I don't think he even got a ban for that. No. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's, it's things like that that, that frustrate me, um, you know. I think I think VAR in Scottish football would be a really good thing, you know. I, I really do. Um, I think um, I think you know I, I can understand why the old firm are opposed to it because it would probably cost them more points of anything. Um, but I, I think I think having VAR in place would would be really good for Scottish football. But I mean, when that happens, who knows? Um, you know, they talk about cost and all this sort of thing. But I think if we're a league going forward. It would certainly help out, and 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 to be honest with you, it would probably put the compliance officer out of a job because if you had far, what would you need her for? It is an interesting couple of points. I mean, I'll pick up on one of Calvin's ones. It is right though, if the referee was doing their job in the game, you wouldn't actually need the compliance officer there to make the retrospective action. If Maleros was to be sent off during the game, then you wouldn't actually need them, would you? Yeah, but the re- the referee can't see everything, though. You know what I mean. Although I know some of them only see what they want to see, I get that. But um, uh, you know, I think a lot of them is just down to them just not seeing seeing it, or you know, just you know, and not being quick enough or whatever. But I think um, having you know more support for them, you know, if you had something like VAR, then it takes away the excuses that oh they they didn't see it, so they didn't, they couldn't do anything about it. Um, at least puts the referee on the spot because if they can go along and either I, I don't know what way you want to do VAR I, I like the way a referee goes over and I can actually see a decision himself if he goes over and looks at a decision and sees oh well right that's a red card gives the red card if he goes over and looks at it and, and sees it's you know it's not a red card and does give it then fine that's his decision and therefore the the blame lies at the feet of the referee like Mike Dean the other week there when the, when the West Ham player got sent off now, that was never a red card in a million years I mean, that, that, that was a ridiculous decision. You could see the boy didn't actually mean to, to elbow Mitrovic, but yet 
you know, and everybody is like, no, I was never, never um, a red card in a million years. But Mike Dean goes over and looks at the uh, the the television screen and thinks, yeah, I'm going to send them off here. Now that in, in that situation there, it got overturned, which was the right decision. But Mike Dean should be coming out after the game, just as as referees up here should, and and saying, right, I've gave this decision and I've looked at it. You know, because it's not as if they can use the narrative going, oh, well, I never seen it at the time. I, I gave the decision what I thought. Um, he's actually went over, he's looked to the television screen for, you know, five, ten minutes. Well, not as long as that, but, you know, he's looked at, he's had advice from another referee as well. And they've made the red card. He should then come out after the game and tell us why he thinks that's a red card. That that's, that's the problem I've got with referees. You know, how they're so protected and they're in this bubble. But they, ultimately, they should come out and say, I have looked at on VAR. I think he personally did mean to elbow him. And at the end of the day, all you can simply say is, go, well, that's his opinion. That's the decision he give. Um, and, and you leave it at that. But I think the fact that they don't even come out and explain themselves, I think that's probably part of the biggest problem. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I could rant about referees in Scotland all day. Um, I think we all could. I think, but I think the standard is just not very good. And I think if we could assist them, that would be great. But... It's, for me, it all comes back to one one change we made when we had the fast track system under Hugh Dallas, and every referee that came out was almost a carbon copy of Hugh Dallas, where the game was no longer about the players, but was about the man in the middle. And that that to me is what a lot of referees in this country do as well. They they do a similar Mike Dean, and as a result, the game the game is just a sideshow. Willie Collins won the best. Of this. The game is just a sideshow of the Willie Collins show. Like the the twenty two players are just there so Willie Collins can get on TV. Um. And it, it, it makes our game worse for it. And so another point, Gordon, the compliance officer, the biggest issue I have with that whole thing is it's trial by sports scene. And I'm sure it's been covered loads, but it's what sports scene want. The, the compliance officer should, if they're going to do it fairly, they should sit down on a Sunday or a Monday and watch every game in the top flight, full 90 minutes, start to finish, and look for things that have happened. But they don't. They clearly watch sports scene on a Sunday night, pick up whatever Liam McLeod. Um, Jonathan Sutherland whatever he's decided to point out and discuss with his pundits and then pick the players for that and that's it's infuriated me for years because I've seen that like we've got away with things as well but it's not if it's happened against St Johnston for example or St Mirren it's not, it's not made on the sports scene highlights because you only get two minutes if it's a game that size um, that will then get a ban for when it happens against Rangers Celtic or Hibs because you get 15 minutes of sports scene coverage at that point and it picks up on every incident and I think that's wrong as well like, I think it's it's totally unfair. And, yeah, I think it's just a poor... I think the compliance officer is just a poor system. It's, for me, it's a it's a system that's never really worked. It's a system that's... It's just favoured... Favoured two clubs, but then everyone in this country does favour two clubs. But, it yeah, it's just... It's unbalanced, as Gordon said. It's like, if you're going to ban one player for something, you have to ban every player for the same thing. Now, it's different if you're only letting referees make decisions, but if you've got a dedicated person whose job it is to pull over decisions and decide if players get banned for it, they should be pulling over every single game in detail every week. I mean, if that's their job, that's what they should be doing. Like, does the compliance officer do anything else? Is it a part-time role? Or are they only there to enforce the rules? And if that's the case, then they have plenty of time to sit and watch every game for the full 90 minutes and ban players after. And if they're not willing to do that, get rid of the position altogether because it's not, it's not working. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I think it's laziness, isn't it? It's funny because I've, I've just got the Liverpool Leicester game on at the moment, and just as we're sitting talking about referees and VAR and things like that, VAR has been right at the centre of the attention. 
Um, you know, literally, you know, Leicester thought they had a penalty. It turns out it was outside the box. Um, so from the resulting free kick, Leicester have actually scored from it. But the linesman gave it as offside because they thought that, you know, that a player had got a touch in the middle of it. But uh, turns out he was actually onside and they've given the goal. But that's took about five minutes for that whole kind of situation to, to, to kind of get resolved there. And, you, you know, and you've had like about 15 seconds of the ball actually being kicked. So... <laughs> Um, that's my what that's my one worry about VAR is it uh, you yeah. see it down south a lot with it you know if, imagine you score like a 90th minute winner at Easter Road and then you go go through that yeah it, it kind of takes away from the uh, kind of takes away from it but then if you get given a 90th minute winner that you wouldn't have given otherwise then you kind of kind of even sell out I suppose yeah no it is absolutely I think you know I think it's different if it if it goes for you and it goes against you I mean the amount of decisions that we've probably been on the end I mean listen with the Scottish Cup final for example you know, when yeah. Lamal went in on Edwards, doesn't he touch him. That goes to VAR. You don't give a penalty for that. And it remains 1-0. I think you're giving, a, I think you're giving our officials a bit too much credit, Gordon. I think they would still give that. I think, I think that's one of my concerns with VAR up here is that... But then you can call them out on that. But, but then you, you, you can then call them out on that. And, and the referees who gave the decision then, they should be reprimanded. Um, and they shouldn't be allowed to referee big cup finals like that because then clearly they're just not fit for, for purpose. Um, and clubs ultimately would put pressure on these officials if they're given decisions like that. Um, I, I actually don't think they would. You know, I think, you know, if in a big game like that, if you, and I, you know, depending on how good your VAR is and, and you analyse that right to the T and you realise that nobody's touched Edward. You know, Lamal's not not touched him at all. He's went down. You see, what's well, not a penalty? It's a goal kick. Because you can understand why the referee's been fooled there in, in that yeah, particular situation. The VAR should really be there as a sort of help to the referees, not a sort of thing of, you know, big bad VAR's going to stop, you know, controversial decisions being made for certain and that, that, But, but that, that's the thing. And, and this comes from the media who constantly moan everything when, you know, their, their particular football team is on the, the end of a VAR decision. You know, I, I don't see the issue with, with, with VAR. You know, if VAR gets it right, which the majority of times it does, because it's, you know, it works by using, you know, the, the screen that's in front of it. I know that we're talking about, you know, some of the goals, how they've been disallowed by, you know, because half a glove's been offside or, you know, some stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I think that's maybe a little bit, you know, too far. I get that. But I suppose if you've got the, the, the science there, to, to use it and um, then you've got to do it you know you've, you've absolutely got to use it and it's the same with the goal line technology I mean look at the, uh, the, our last Scottish Cup final there you know um, who was the referee was it John Beaton yeah he wasn't even going to give it he just ran away as if everything's fine and it was clearly over the line none of the linesmen's gave it but yet he had the goal line technology it went oh actually it's a goal sorry lads um, you know, I mean, that's that, that's what you're up against. And if you've got the technology, they can't ignore it. They can't deny it. Um, and for me, you know, I think the sooner Scottish football has it, the sooner we can actually move on and we're not in the papers every week listening to managers moaning about compliance officers and all this sort of thing because it's happened during the game. When do we think we'll get VAR? 2040. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see, like I said about the cost, I mean, Scottish football outside of certain outside of maybe five clubs is skin like these clubs don't they're, they're never going to give up a portion of their revenue to bring in VAR when it's probably different between signing a player or not this is not going to unless unless the SPFL or the SFA implemented from their own funds 
I, I don't see it happening up here at all. Or the old farmer willing to pay for it, and we know for a fact they wouldn't be for very, very obvious reasons. Um, so I, I genuinely just don't see it happening up here. I'm still shocked we're going to an odds in the cup final. I'm still, I don't have to install that for like the Euros games, and that's why we've got to keep it. Or like, unless it's a UEFA wide thing and money comes from somewhere else, I just don't see it happening up here at all. Like, like the goal line technology, we might, we might get a free trial if we host something. So we, we, you never know. Aye, yeah, we might get to keep it after the Euros if our home games are happening. Yeah. Keep it for that, and then we might get it for mm. cup finals and semis. But that'll be it. Like we're not gonna yeah. like Jake St Johnston, St Johnston, St Mirren, Hamilton, clubs like that. They can afford to shell it on bar when I'm surprised they can afford to shell it on a team half the time. But like, these clubs don't have the spare revenue. To, pay for things I mean we've not even gone to an knowledge in the league for that reason because these clubs can't afford a wee camera on the goal so what chance have you got them installing a full VAR setup? I, I think personally you could do it at a halfway house you, you could have it for like major cup finals and semi-finals and stuff I just don't think it's feasible for you know St Johnston St Mirren and, and the Premiership on a Wednesday night but you know you could argue for TV games that they should have it just as a trial, then, just to see how it works. No, but I, I don't see what, what's difficult about going technology. I mean, the vast majority of, um, you know, governing bodies and world football have it now. You know, why, why are we always in the dark ages? You know, it's because we're led by a bunch of people who, you know, are just blind and they're not interested in taking Scottish football forward. As I've had this rant every week now, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go over it again because people have heard it enough times from me. But um, ultimately, I think going technology, regardless if it's at Hamilton Ackies or if it's at Parkhead, it should happen um, because it would uh, absolutely make things a lot easier and big high-profile games when teams are going for um, Europe and, uh, and and league titles and things like that. So um, I, I think the good thing is we don't actually have too many issues up here with balls crossing the line and things like that. But at least when they do um, arise, then you know teams aren't going to get robbed of it because I mean we could have. I know we we didn't win the Scottish Cup, but I mean we could have done and. Um, yeah, that we might have lost it in 90 minutes and, you know, we had a clear goal over the line and then you'd be talking about that for the next six months and um, where at least, you know, they, they had the technology in to see that the goal clearly went over the line. So, um, for me, I think it's something that they, they need to do in the short term and then far for me, it's got to be the long term because I think um, I think it's got to happen. I think that's a good place to end the show. Um, thank you both very much for joining me this week. Hopefully we can get back on the winning trail against Martin next week. Until then, goodbye.